spelling out the myths, misinformation, and BS in the wellness industry. This is the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. Here's your host, holistic pharmacist, supplement expert, Big Mouth, Dr. Neil Smoller. Broadcasting from the most famous small town in America, it's the podcast that pulls back the curtain on the wellness industry. This is episode 96, the COVID vaccine extravaganza part two. We're discussing the COVID vaccine rollout here in New York and how I basically had to take off my supplement guru hat and put on my get done pharmacist hat. I'm sure we can bleep that out, right, Dana? <laughs> oh, totally. I'm here with Dana. What's up? Hi. Uh, before we get started, the new site is live, drneilsmoller.com. You better be able to spell my name after all this time, but it's N-E-A-L-D-R-N-E-A-L-S-M-O-L-L-E-R.com. That's where the blog, that's where the podcast lives. So please go visit. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and give us a great review. I need the encouragement at this time. So yeah, let's talk about the COVID rollout in New York. We, in the first episode, we spent a lot of time going through my chaotic mind and giving people a little bit of the behind the scenes of the first 36 hours up to the first two weeks. So basically, we started out with 100 doses that we were allocated, moved to 200. I really stretched my abilities by immunizing 200 people um, over six hours in some insane pace just to see, you know, if we could do it. And then I was rewarded for that by getting 700 doses for this upcoming week, which is going to be a huge, huge, awesome thing for our community. I cannot wait to, to get this in people's arms. Um, one of the things that I kind of glossed over that I want to talk about is this idea of how I gave 240 shots on one of the days. Right. So we all have heard that the pharmacy nerds figured out that the vials are overfilled. So if a Moderna vaccine has has to guarantee 10 doses of half of an ML, so it's five MLs. What I've found is that it actually has about six MLs in it, probably six and a half MLs. So I can pull out two extra doses per vial. You have to use a special kind of syringe that has very low dead space is what it's referred to. So it's the, how much actually ends up staying in the needle tip. Mm-hmm. Um, so we use that. We I'm, I'm literally getting it shipped in from all over the place because I know I'm going to be using it for the rest of the year. But the first time I got 100 doses, I immunized 121 people. I was able to, able to get out 13 doses out of one vial. Nice. And I did 240 doses out of the 200 we were given. So in the first two weeks, we gave 360 doses, and 60 of those doses came from that overfill. Yeah. Pretty awesome thing, right? <laughs> that was very cool. Yeah. And like, so it was really interesting because I needed a way to manage those extra doses. So there were some folks that, you know, we talked about in the first one, the big barrier here is that all of these systems are online and they require email and they require uh, websites to to register. But I have all these like 90 year olds that still live by themselves. They don't have young family around, nobody that that can help them. So how do I get those people taken care of? Well, I know that they've got phones and I know they pretty much don't leave. So I can put them on my standby list, you know, because we're required to keep a standby list because the CDC says, if you start wasting doses, we're going to punch you in the throat. So um, as we have they to, should. yeah, as they should. Absolutely. People that are sitting on doses and that's kind of the, the focus here is the wasted doses. Um, they, they should be like punched. They should not be getting more doses if they're going to throw stuff out. 
Okay. So, because it's very easy for me to fill up a standby list without a question. Like I've got lots of people that are like, I need that dose. Well, great. Are you reliable? As long as I can trust you. So we have the standby list. So we were able to take care of a lot of the people that we wanted to take care of because the first two weeks for me was really making sure, how do I make sure that the sickest and and, uh, most, uh, the, the people that have the biggest obstacles overcome, how do we make sure that they get the dose that they need? Right. Because they're the ones that are going to die from this. Right. So, so that took a lot of energy. And I felt like after week two, I said, that's it. I've, I've spent so much energy. I've tried my hardest. I, I mean, I was calling people and like their kids who are anti-vax, right? So they're 50 year old children. Cause these people are 80 years old, 50 mm-hmm. year old children are telling their parents that they shouldn't get the vaccine after the parents were in my store saying how much they want the vaccine. So then the, the parents aren't going to get the dose. Right. So how much oh, of my yeah. energy and time should be spent helping that out. Right. Right. So like I've been using that standby list to take care of the folks. I feel like I've done a good job. I've, I've hit everybody who I think was the highest risk. Now it's, it's, you know, it's truly first come first serve on that main list. And then I'll be able to take those extra 20% doses and really take care of people that I, I need to. So it's, it's this really great system because, you know, I'm giving away all of those, those doses to the public, but then I'm getting all this extra that I can use to take care of specific uh, people. And, and those aren't, of course, just my patients. There's been plenty of people in the community that are like, Hey, that person's 92 and lives alone and they need a dose. And we've been making sure that they're all taken care of. So, so that's a really interesting kind of thing. So then we have this concept of the wasted doses, right? So we have the, the dope pharmacist that was anti-vax that threw away 500 doses. And we're hearing all of these stories of these clinics that can't use their doses up. And basically, once you poke a vial, it goes to room temperature of the Moderna, you have six hours to use it. Otherwise, you got to throw it away. And at our last clinic, we had 43 people on the standby list. And what was it? 12, 15 people didn't pick up the phone? Yeah, something like that. And I- Totally um, screwed us over. Yeah. Yeah. Very frustrating. (laughs) Because we could have been one of those places that didn't get rid of their doses, right? Yeah. So what did we have to do for the last- like? 30 minutes was like, we just started calling people, right? Yeah. Like, just uh, random, random people that we knew would come. Right. And so it, it's, it's a very kind of frustrating thing to deal with that. So now I read everybody the riot act before they get on that, that list. So, um, so we have all these people that are wasting doses and, and, you know, if you look at the vaccine tracker, that's on the Washington post, it's something like 40 million doses are nationwide. And there's only been 20 million doses given. Why is that gap so freaking big? Right? Why mm-hmm. is that an issue? Is it a reporting issue? Is it, are people sitting? Why are people sitting on the doses? Give them to me. I'll get rid of them in a day. You know, like that's a very very frustrating thing to this whole process. And it c- kind of goes to my point that the 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 cliffhanger, if you will, from last episode talking about CVS and Walgreens, the only state that did really well with this was it West Virginia. Is that the one that did really well with their um, their one A and one B rollout? Um, and it was because they didn't use CVS and Walgreens to administer to the nursing homes and assisted livings. They actually used independent pharmacies. No kidding. Yep. And CVS and Walgreens, like I, I know like they're they're doing some assisted living facilities in our area. And I just got notified, okay, we got 300 doses. We're going to go do all of these homes. And they're going to use five pharmacists and like five technicians. And it's like this super inefficient, slow process. And it's two weeks after I've already been immunizing in the community. If I had gotten those stinking doses, I would have been able to go door to door and hit all these facilities, right? 
Mm. And so the chains got, these two chains got a no bid contract from the government to administer this. And they didn't have the infrastructure or the ability to do this. Meanwhile, independent pharmacies, heck, the doctor's offices are more equipped to do this than the chain pharmacies are. Yeah. And it's an incredibly frustrating thing to to kind of see that. But I, I, I think that independent pharmacies have been doing a good job showing how, how much we're moving and grooving now, you know? Uh, yeah, well, the irony you- is that, you know, obviously they get the most business and it's almost like, uh, you know, I, I don't want to put any sort of sinister spin on it, but it's like, how could you serve this volume of the community and mess this up so badly? Right. Yeah, exactly. Because they don't care about care. And this kind of goes to my uh, stuff that I want to talk about today. Like, you know, I believe that this is the best example of where a sing- at least a single payer system, if not a universal healthcare system, is so desperately needed in this country. Mm-hmm. I believe that we need private practice, and as we said with Dr. Risman so long ago, that you know, when private practice practitioners are paid and you know well for their services, they can get innovative, they can get agile, they can get stuff done, right? Yeah. And and it shows you that these behemoths of co- companies like. The Rite Aid in our community had to give their doses over to the county because they weren't going to use them for weeks, you know? Wow. Yeah. Oh so, my God. Right? So, so why are these companies getting the doses when we exist, when we're out here and we're ready to go? And, and again, I'm not complaining because obviously the state sees me, right? Because they right. went from 100 to 200 to 700. They get it, right? Uh, but, you know, it's a frustrating thing that, and this is what I was most worried about is that the chains were going to sit down as one group and it looked easy to the last administration, right? And so then they got this no-bid contract to take care of all these long-term care facilities and they've screwed it up. And the only state that did well with it was the one that used independent pharmacies instead. Right. Uh, and it's and it stinks. But um, so, you know, I mean, this concept, when we're talking about uh, the vaccine stuff and some of the snags we've hit, so think about what we have to do. We have to do data entry. I'm entering like this week, I'll enter seven or 840 because I'll get 20% extra, 840 new people into my computer and and bill 840 prescriptions. Now at a super busy pharmacy, that's two full days of work. And that normally is like 10 people that that's doing mm. that. Right. And so I'm going to have to try to do that in a day. <laughs> like, how am I going to do that? We're going to have to hire like a bunch of data entry people just to enter people into the prof into the profiles and then fill those. <laughs> this is a job so, for Fiverr, right? Exactly. Right. I'm gonna like have some like freaking uh, like a, a a bunch of uh, what is that? The um, Upwork folks, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> doing like crappy graphic design and and doing data entry for me, right? So so we're trying to come up with some innovative ways to kind of cut this out. But one of the the biggest pieces is the healthcare, right? So we're able to bill for the administration to the federal government. The federal government says, we want to incentivize you not to give just one dose, but both doses. And in fact, the second dose, they pay more because they really want you to fight for those second doses and make sure people got that, right? So we get this incentive to do that second dose, but think about it. Everybody's got their own, like either private insurance or they've got all these crazy secondary cards or Medicare Advantage. Imagine if across all age brackets, all we had was your Medicare ID, right? Because then it's not about identifying which card we need and making sure that they bring the right card. It's literally just another number that's essentially your social security number for your medical care, you know, that you can even commit to memory. And, and that's the only number that you have to care about. How much is cut away 
by just having a single payer system where there's one identity, there's one protocol for what we pay and how we have to bill it and who we have to submit it to, right? Just think about that, like how much that would save time and energy. And like, this is, you know, this COVID vaccination process kind of shines a light on why we would need single payer at least, right? So um, it's it's pretty interesting, this whole piece. The um, the one thing I didn't talk about last week was that I'm doing all of this. I think I touched on it. My full-time pharmacist is on maternity leave right now. So I've been working every day. Oh, that's right. <laughs> every I forgot day. about that. <laughs> I've been working every day for two months straight. Like oh she comes back God. in two weeks. I take off Sundays, which is a three-hour shift. And my pharmacist fills in for me. So, <laughs> so I've got all of that going on. We have multiple businesses, right? So we have the pharmacy, we have the online store, we have the wholesale business and the product development. I'm a consultant for other people. And then we have supplement school too, right? And then the blog and the podcast and all this other crap. To say that I've got a lot of stuff going on, it's, it's, it's an, an understatement, right? And then on top of it, I got this horrible sinus infection, man. I just feel like crap. <laughs> you just glossed over your four children, a new puppy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get to them. I've got this. Uh, the reason that I wanted to say that, I, so I feel I'm like I'm run down right now because I'm yeah. sick. I've got this viral sinus infection that just won't go away. It's probably because mm-hmm. of my mask. I should have been an anti-masker all, of long, all along. I think I feel better right now, you know, right. Uh, <laughs> because so I've got the sinus infection. So now I wanted to just say that I started using a neti pot, but I don't use that pot. I use this, the squeezy bottle. Yeah, that's the way to go, man, for sure. What a, I'm drowning myself. I'm waterboarding myself four times a day right now. It is the most excruciating. So Rowan's watching me do this, one of my kids, right? And and he's like, oh my God, let me try. I'm like, all right. And the kid, <laughs> the kid, the kid like throws up and it's crying. <laughs> he's like, oh, that's horrible. I can't believe you've been doing that. And I'm like, whatever, you know? Um, and and so then on top of all of this, I got a derpy dog. I, I'm a dog owner now. <laughs> I, I don't know. Congratulations. Like, thank you. Like, I felt like, we needed another project. I'm like, you know, what can we spend $200 a month on? Oh, I know dogs, you know? Right. Yeah. And so the kids have been begging me for a dog, you know, the idea of like, get us a dog for Christmas. I wasn't having it, but I know the value of a dog for these kids, right? What it could mean, right? Of teaching them about Definitely. relationships and, you know, the loyalty and then even like loss, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. Is super yeah. Responsibility. Important. All of that. Right. Yeah. So I've been secretly, not even my wife knew because everybody thought I was an anti-dog person, right? So I've been secretly investigating and exploring all of the different doggy options out there. It's so next to COVID vaccines, it's and the paperwork involved, it's the worst possible thing that you could ever do in your life is apply to try to get a dog. Had I had to do this much paperwork to have kids, I would have no children right now. Like I've had to fill out seven page applications, get interviewed on the phone. They had to take videos of my house to make sure I didn't have like pit bulls chained up in the, in the garage. Right. And, and then like, they're all power tripping dorks. Like you, you, we're, we're not taking phone calls. Um, it's appointment only. We'll decide which dog you get. Like it's this crazy, like regimented third Reich process. It's horrible. And, um, I finally found a group that was super cool and chill and like they, you know, they helped us out, but basically I saw this pretty pit. It was a, a pit bull group. And so pretty pit bull. I'm like, all right. So I wasn't going to tell the kids that we were getting a dog until I was sure that we we're going to get a dog because of how long this, pro- it took me a month just to get close to being able to take a dog home. 
right? It took wow. me a month. So if it fell through, I didn't want them to know because then it would be a whole nother month of them like not having the dog, right? So I didn't want yeah. to deal with that. When are we going to get a dog? I don't want any of that extra pressure. So we were close. It Like the next day, so it was Saturday. On Sunday, I had an appointment to definitely look at a local dog that I was going to take home. But then this this other group, the pit group called me and it's like, yeah, we can have you get this dog today. So Aww. we're at my sister-in-law's cause that's who we've been huddled up with. So I uh, take my wife into the, to the master bedroom. I'm like, I, I got to tell you something. She's like, get your hands off me. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm saying. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I show her a picture. I'm like, are you okay? If we get a dog and she's just like, shell shock. She can't believe that I'm saying this. And then I tell her I've been investigating everything. It's this cute pit bull. And I'm, she's like, do we tell the kids? I'm like, let's tell the kids on the way. Right. And so then she tells her sister, she's like, I got to tell my sister. So my sister-in-law is like, you are not leaving this house without me seeing the reactions of the kids. So no. we got that video. They're all going nuts, of course. And we get over there and the pit bull almost murders me. <laughs> like she, so I walk up to it and she comes out and the pit bull literally almost takes my head off. <laughs> and like in the video, in the thing, in the description is like, great with kids, uh, lovable, cuddly, you know, like that kind of stuff. And yeah. it almost murders me. And I'm like, oh my God, here it is. I just told the kids we might not get a dog. And here it is. We're not going to get a dog because this thing's going to murder me. So, so she's like, well, listen, we I'm have sure this- it was murder with love, whatever it was like, <laughs> uh, and like, it's like a 40 pound dog can really move. So it, oh, yeah. I didn't think it was that big, but it was like, it was rocking and rolling. So I was like all disappointed. She's like, well, we have this other dog but she has heartworm. And so you would just be like a foster to kind of own kind of thing. I'm like, I would kind of be into that anyway, because we can always give her back if she's a, a little Cujo like that. And, <laughs> and she said that, um, you know, well, let me go get her. And she brings her out. And she's like the sweetest damn thing I've ever met. So she's like kissing mm -hmm. on me and like, you know, like she's moving around because she wants to be outside and she, they were being fostered by dog groomers. So they, she didn't live in the house. So she didn't really have any manners. And she was like two years old and basically an ex convict. Right. Because that's what all these dogs are. And so, um, so I'm like, okay, we'll take her home. And now we drive from, because this is like Albany essentially back home to Saugerties with the dog in the car. And all of us are pretty much vibrating in place because we don't know what to do. Right. I've never owned a dog. The kids don't know what to do. The, the dog's like, where am I going? Right. And so we get her home and probably within 15 minutes, the dog and I are soul bonded. Right. So Aww. now it's my dog. And like, I, I even text her. I'm like, she's not leaving. Right. <laughs> Day two, she's already on the couch, napping on the couch, fattened up, you know, like the whole thing. So. <laughs> So it's been a great experience. I'm now a dog guy. I've been posting about it on Facebook. She's uh, she's destroying anything that's stuffed. Like we give her a stuffed animal, indestructible pig, and she's got it in pieces in 12 minutes. So, um, oh, dude, you, you got to get straight Kong. Forget yeah. about anything else. She doesn't like the Kong because she she wants to rip the stuffing out of stuff. So it's a, it's a, gotcha. I'm going to have to get like, I actually just ordered her a hundred tennis balls off of eBay for $35. So she's yeah, been destroying those. Yeah. Um, but the reason I bring up the dog is just kind of give you some insight, not talk about COVID for 10 minutes, but then talk about nutrition. So, you know, no fault to the breeders or the, the groomers at all, but they don't really know, you know, nutrition. As I've said, when we've talked about pet nutrition in the past, um, the food that is out there that most people get, people don't realize it's actually not healthy for the dogs. And it, they're normally rich in simple, or I should say complex carbohydrates like fruits and vegetables, but they don't really process fruits and vegetables like we do. And as a result, it would cause diarrhea 
um, because it, it's just basically lots of sugar in their in their colon. All the yeah. water rushes in to kind of normalize the um, the concentrations, and then it causes this runny diarrhea. But the reason that most dog foods create these big, beautiful well-shaped stools is because they put ingredients in there that absorb up all the water and kind of like, uh, sort of like, uh, what are those, the freaking, uh, toys that you get that, um, you put them in the water and then they grow to like five times their size. Right. So oh, the spongy things, the spongy things, what are they called? Like yeah. the little manatees and stuff. But anyway, so, um, beet pulp cellulose, those kinds of ingredients are in there. And um, so they they basically are low nutrition foods that use hacks and cheats to make it look like the dog is getting lots of stuff and, and, and like, you know, makes them feel full, but they're really not getting lots of nutrition. And the low quality protein and the high carbohydrates ends up causing skin, uh, teeth, gum, and coat issues as along right. with arthritis. So sure enough, Doggy, who's like new to this group, um, starts displaying um, skin issues. Like she's itching constantly, right? And so we didn't take very long. We were gonna like let her just eat her food just because it's a new environment. Let her do it for a week. I'm like, nope, we're not doing this. We switched her to the food that we sell at the the apothecary, and um, and then within a, and, and put her on fish oil. So she's all supplemented up. She's got a good probiotic. And lo and behold, two to three days later, the skin issues are down. Like. 200%, you know, like she's, oh, she's, she's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to kind of point people towards that article. If you haven't seen that before, um, now that I'm uh, a dog owner, my dog is the best. Your dog isn't. I want you to see <laughs> <laughs> the pet nutrition, um, article that I have. Uh, if you just type that in at Woodstock vitamins still, it's not yet moved over to the Dr. Neil site. So it's still over there at Woodstock vitamins. Pet nutrition is fundamentally broken. It's a must read for anybody who has a dog or a cat. So that feels like it's probably true for humans, like one skin, um, skin reactions possibly be caused to, you know, poor absorption of nutrients or, you know, if you have an allergy that you're not aware of, couldn't that cause something like that? Absolutely. It's, it's almost identical. It's the same yeah. exact situation. I, I was telling the kids like her oh, food, her food is essentially me eating McDonald's or M&Ms all day. You know, so it's right. got calories, but it doesn't have what the dog needs, right? And so in humans too, if you get too much omega six, not enough omega three, you can have skin and coat issues as a human, you know? <laughs> so we um so we need to make those same kind of decisions as well. And that's normally, you know, when we talk about the wellness pyramid, the five lifestyle domains, we're calling them now, um, oh. the nutrition side of it, we talk about making sure that we reduce our omega-6s, even from healthy sources, it can be too much. We increase our omega-3s and, and of course, omega-3 uh, or fish oil is one of the vital five. So those are very important things to take care of some basic like eczema, psoriasis uh, type situations that can happen, or I should say more dermatitis uh, type reactions that can happen with people. Um, it's, it's very much the same. It's just that dogs and cats are kind of like T-Rexes where they're not going to have a salad. That's not healthy to them. You know, a right. little bit, a little bit of rice, a little bit of that stuff is okay, but it's mostly going to be organ meats and, and tissue. They, they're going to eat little, little other animals. Um, and us, we have, we're omnivores. We have to have the fruits and vegetables and some of the protein sources as well. So, yeah, that's like when that new Jackass movie was coming out and I was like age appropriate risks they're going to take are not paying their taxes and going a full day without any fruits and vegetables. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
So back to the COVID vaccines, I figured like what we can do is talk about some more of the more practical stuff. So we talked about the behind the scenes stuff. I think that, you know, you're going to get a vaccine in a number of different ways. A public health clinic, whether that's put on by a private group like myself or, you know, like a county department of health is probably a very realistic thing. Some people will be able to go to their doctor's office, but I think a lot of the doctor's offices are going to be setting up COVID clinics, COVID vaccine clinics as well. Right. Um, so that's kind of like how you'll get the vaccine. Um, right now in New York, they have a central appointment scheduling software that you have to use, um, or you would go to the private practice and then they would have some sort of scheduling process. Because again, the demand far outseeds the supply, uh, far exceeds the supply, excuse me. And um, so, how the heck do you manage all of this stuff? So, early on, we were saying, listen, we're not doing a wait list. All we're going to do is just pump it out that on social media that we've got doses. You better like me on Dr. Neil, you know, Facebook, you know, and, right. and then I realized like, we're spending a lot of time saying to people and telling people why we're not having a wait list. So let's just make a wait list. Right. So we stood up a really simple wait list for people so they can put in their name, put in their age, put in if they have chronic conditions or not, whether they're 30 or 90. Right. And then we are sending the message to the different groups as it's available. So right now, 65 plus, whether or not you have any chronic conditions, will get an alert from us every time we get doses. As soon as the priority group changes that, then we're going to change our messaging, too. You know, right. so um, so like we have this kind of like waitlist process, and then we broadcast, and then it's fighting, scrambling for a spot, and then uh, then you go to your clinic. And I've got some tips for people. Uh, listen, we've already said to our folks, if you come to a clinic and you don't have a T-shirt on, we're going to turn the hose on you because you're getting a vaccine. Like I understand that some of you folks are older and like you get cold easy, but just wear multiple coats, yeah. <laughs> please. <laughs> And, uh, and like, let's get the, uh, the, the vaccine process easy because like having the privacy screen and having to move somebody in there so they can get naked to get a vaccine, it just doesn't make sense. In fact, I want, you know, how the NBA guys have those pants that the breakaway pants that they pull, I want one with the, the deltoid can get exposed, like a breakaway in the arm. And then you go from like a, a full sleeve to like a tank top. I want, I want to make those for the 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 next the next pandemic that we have to deal with um <laughs> oh so something to look forward to yeah exactly just wait you know actually one of my friends said like we have to get good at this for the next one yeah oh gosh another one of my one of my friends also said the same thing she works at like a microbiology lab and you know she's like the living conditions in like china for example like people live among chickens and i yeah. you know i don't know if that's completely correct but that's where all the viruses seem to come from so right we got to stay away from those chickens or the <laughs> chicken heads too like i i learned you have to stay away from chicken heads um <laughs> sage advice <laughs> right and no scrubs either make sure you stay right. away from scrubs um <laughs> So when you get your vaccine, of course, it, it typically doesn't hurt at that time. What we found is that about four hours after we started to have side effects. And so, you know, how was your experience? Mine was actually great. I think I really lucked out. I actually was starting to question if you had given me a shot because I experienced nothing until about eight hours later, where suddenly I started to notice some aching in my arm. And then the next two or so days, I had very manageable pain in my left arm. I was totally able to sleep on my left side, all of that. And then it, you know, by the end of, I'd say like five days, the pain was completely gone. And um, 
since then there's been like, you know, just a, a bump at the injection site that has been getting smaller every day. And like right now I'm down to like, the skin is a little tight there, mm-hmm. but obviously, you know, on the mend and I'm sure it'll be gone completely in another day or two. So that's, I, I feel like that was the best possible scenario aside from like absolutely no pain at all. And I was thinking about you and and the rest of your staff. And I was like, Damn, I really drew the Trump card because everyone else seemed to have a much harder time with it. Yeah. Like my staff, we could be a bunch of whiners too. I mean, I don't really know the, <laughs> the, the you know, I said on Facebook publicly that I would, and you're gonna have to bleep me again. I, sh- I, sh- Brillo pads for a week to make sure that I didn't have COVID, you know? And I think that's the approach. Like we need to flip the script enough with the negativity, right? I don't have my dose yet. Let's be positive that other people are getting their doses, right? Yeah. I I don't want these side effects. These side effects, my, you know, literally the, the person that was resistant, they didn't want their mom to get their dose. We're saying that her arm can go numb for three days. I'm like, she could die from COVID. You know, we have to, we, we have to understand two things that the, the, side effects that we are experiencing are not from the drug. It's from the immune system working and actually like responding to this thing and doing what it's supposed to do. And we have to be happy about that. We have to be thrilled. We get instant feedback. How many people take resveratrol for 16 years and have no idea if it works, you know? (laughs) So like, give give me, give me a break here, people, you know? So Um, so yeah, so the side effect part of it is, is not very difficult. One of the things that they're doing is CDC set up a app to track adverse events. And I think that's awesome. Like we're, let's use this technology. Let's use some data sharing. So now we, we have yeah. not the most studied vaccine pre-market. Now we have post-market data. That's going to be far exceed any other thing. In fact, I believe that they should be using the VSafe app for drugs. It should be medications. You should be able to log your adverse events and and make it simple now make it one of those extensive like silly forms just make it so you know you can kind of like say i'm on lipitor i just started and this is what i experience right and i think it's ironic that our former guest Scylla has something like that set up for essential oils and essential oils are hardly medicine unless you're trying to like chill out at the end of the day and you take like a whiff of lavender you know but something like that that you know, the science is questionable, was more diligent about tracking adverse events than the actual like medical world. Right. The science world. Absolutely. Making it at least more publicly accessible. Right. And and, oh, no offense to essential oils. I love them. I have them all over the house, but you know, they're not exactly medicine. Right. Yeah. I mean, they smell great and there's healing properties associated with that, but the people that are telling people to ingest them, like that's just bad medicine, you know? Exactly. Um, second doses, this is coming up quite a bit. And I wanted to touch on this before we kind of call it uh, a day here. The, this idea, am I going to get my second dose? Um, because people are worried about the supply. And I think that the supply that New York and and like their distribution plan takes all of that into consideration. In fact, they've, they've gone from making the second dose requests a manual process to making it automatic. So I'm just going to starting next week, get second doses. And That's fantastic. I, yeah. That's been the biggest concern from the few of my friends who are also um, frontline workers, but not in the medical community. They're like, what's going to happen after that article saying that there was no federal cash of shots? They're like, well, are we even getting a second dose? Do we need one, et cetera? And I'm like, don't worry, those are there. Like, and you know, I sent links to articles assuring <laughs> that second doses would be administered. Yes. 
and and we're excited to be able to do that whole process. Um, the you know the appointments are essentially the same day and same time, and so it should be just you know make sure you write down in your calendar four weeks later. I've got some people that are like a lot of uh, a lot of brand. Uh, I, I, not agnostic, I guess brand selective folks. We're doing that name brand, brand thing, brand loyalty folks. They're saying, well, I don't want Moderna. I don't want Pfizer. I want the Johnson and Johnson vaccine and like trying to kind of micromanage their choices. And I, I would say like, if you are um, 40, you're probably going to have the pick of the litter. You'll be able to pick whichever one you want. I would say if you're not 40, get whatever dose you possibly freaking can. Because not only is it about you getting protected, it's about all of us getting protected. And the more of us that are vaccinated as soon as humanly possible, the better. So um, my concern was that I was very intrigued by the mRNA. And so I didn't care yeah. what brand it was. I just wanted that type because it seemed like it would defend against any mutation as long as it was still a coronavirus based on what we learned from Dr. Yip. Right. Absolutely. And it just seems like it's a much more robust kind of response. And one yeah. of the thought processes is like, does it matter if it's 76% effective versus 90% effective? I think from a public health standpoint, probably not, but it probably makes a lot of sense for the older folk to get these more robust pieces, the mRNA ones and such. Yeah. So, um, I've got nothing else. I've got no energy. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got some booze that's calling my name because, you know, like I need to relax a little bit before I get into this. Uh, I want to, I want to kind of talk about one of the the projects that I'm working on. So now that I'm getting this nice supply, I'm getting 700 doses and I have 140 doses potentially that are going to be extra. So how can I solve the problem of the obstacles? So there's transportation, there's computer obstacles, and then there's the racial thing, right? So we brought up somebody called me racist, and I'm like, you know, you kind of don't know who I am and like what I prioritize to, right? right? So we have black and Hispanic underserved communities uh, that, you know, you're reading the articles that people aren't getting doses and they're not getting tested and they're not getting treatment. And we read about that doctor who who made a very strong case for herself that she died because she was black. You know, mm -hmm. um, if she was white, she would have been treated much differently and they would have listened to her and respected her and she didn't have to go all the way up the chain. So we have that issue to overcome and it's stupid, you know, like, yeah. um, you know, I, I think, you know, the idea that heartwarming stories like the stuff that we're trying to do for people um, are great, you know, because it's basically neighbor saying, hey, neighbor, you're not in, you're not, you know, you're not in my bubble but we can go across bubbles and make sure that you're taken care of too. Right. You know, right. out of no particular reason, you know, just the fact that we're neighbors, like that's all good, but wouldn't it be great if like the system was friggin' fixed. So that way we didn't have to do that, you know, like where everybody kind of, it was kind of that level playing field, regardless of transportation, regardless of computer access, regardless of infrastructure that, Absolutely. that we didn't have to like, you know, take that step back and have somebody like, again, like us, that's like, yeah, we, we need to address this right now. So I'm working. One of the things I know is that people go to church, right? So you may not be able to get all the way out to Woodstock, but you, you definitely can get to your church because you're doing it every week. So I partnered with a number of local churches in the black and Hispanic community, and we're going to be going on site with those extra doses. 
and making sure that their 65 plus population is taken care of too, because they're having difficulty getting to wherever, wherever they need to go. Right. Then we have the 85 plus community, no specific racial stuff, but they're, they don't have computers, right? They don't have any, they don't have transportation. So we're partnering with the county, hopefully to help them with all of those folks. So we're going to set up shop at the Ulster County office of the aging and run mass clinics when we get doses for them too, you know, to try to chip away at all these different groups of people that just aren't as mobile or, or don't have as the same access. Um, and then one last thing is that there's a number of community residences where I could go on site instead of having to bus people from like a retirement home. Why don't I just go to the retirement home and just immunize everybody there? So, yeah. And this is again, independent pharmacy, right? This is who's thinking of this stuff. This isn't just Neil. This is, I know tons of independent pharmacists that are engaging these conversations right now, trying to rise to the occasion and make sure everybody in the community where what we care about the most is taken care of. Right. And that's the difference, right? It's not a chain pharmacy. It's not a mail order pharmacy that's doing this. It's not this mega corporation. It's people that live in the community that are, that have roots there that want to make sure that everybody's taken care of. And I think that's been the greatest part to this. Yeah. We're serving the public at whole. So we're going to get the haters. We're going to get the negative energy, right? People are going to try to trip us up despite our best intentions, right? Because of the energy, because of how stuff is negative and weird, but the work is good, you know, and this is some of the most fulfilling work that I've ever been able to be a part of. And um, just to be able to hear, you know, I'm not a religious dude at all. Everybody knows that, right? <laughs> but to hear all these folks like, you know, I'm praying for you. God bless you. You know, like these pastors, uh, that means a lot because I'll probably need it <laughs> for all yeah. through all of this crap. But to be able to help these people that were being kind of ignored, sort of, you know, uh, it's really awesome. So I feel the same way. I said it in last week's episode and I'll say it again. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of this. It makes me feel so good to be able to help people get back to their regular lives. And um, that's just thanks to you. So thank yeah. you for including me in this. Yeah, I, that's actually been the thing is like, you know, we were talking about how I have volunteers help out. So the the nice thing is, is that to attract more volunteers, the state says, if somebody volunteers for your clinic, give them a dose. They need to be protected, but then we need them immunized too. So it's a win-win. Right. I get to yeah. be able to give 700 doses in, in a day, you know, and then they get protected and, and then they don't have to worry about their families. Right. And so it's this great exactly. kind of like give and take. And people were like, listen, I'm going to help you because I want to help you. You're my friend. Right. And I want to make sure that you get through this. And then, yeah, that's great. We get doses. And now they're like, I don't even care that I'm not getting a dose. I want to do that again. My two friends calling me, they were crying because of like what they were able to do. They were a part of being able to help people. Right. And positivity is where we should be. Right. So, you know, I understand that essentially in New York, 7 million people got teased, you know, like, hey, (laughs) you're up. And people really thought that they were next, right? And they're not next. They're soon. Um, and a lot of people have anxieties around that. And we have to flip the script, as we've been saying. It's got to be positive. So we started COVID giving people direction, what to do. 
how to handle it, how to best like mingle and uh, mix again and, and uh, how you can be the safest, even though you want to like try to live a normal life and, and not to believe all the negativity and, and have some hope and perspective. And now we're actually doing it. We're actually giving people the answers, something that will get them through this. And so through this piece, there's still that mental health piece that has to be addressed. We have to be positive here. This is a miracle. The fact that I had a dose of a vaccine in my arm in January, and this thing started March the year before, 10 months later, that's uh, unbelievable. 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 That's the fastest I've ever seen it. And like science really answered, right? And yeah. so now the professionals are delivering. So be patient. Send lots of love to any of the private practices that have the doses because they better be burning uh, down the buildings to get those doses to you uh, because that's what we need right now. And so send lots of love to them because they need it. They're, they're under a lot of stress. They're getting their butts handed to them. So much work, so much energy is going into this to make sure life can get back to normal. Totally. Without a doubt. So that's it for me. Two parts done over with. I'm going to go enjoy my day. My dog is sitting here looking at me like, why are you talking and not talking to me? <laughs> so <laughs> the joys until next time folks keep listening keep learning and be well